What makes a podcaster? The podcast that makes the number one slot is the holy grail, the pearl in the oyster, the four-leaf clover. It's the goal, something that releases you from the day job, that makes you enough money and gives you enough credibility to take Fridays off. It's what every podcaster wants, isn't it? Well, not always. Maybe you like your day job, but you want somewhere fun to play with your toys. Maybe you want someone else to play with your toys with you. Perhaps you want to play with your toys while a whole load of people who also like your toys listen to you. Throw in a little envy from your listeners and you may well have your pearl. Welcome. You're a podcaster. Maybe you're not really driven by making money, but you quite fancy the idea of taking Fridays off. Life work balances your goal and you want to build a community, have some fun and learn something new. Sounds to me like you're self-employed, running your own business or working freelance, choosing your own terms over the payroll, lower stress levels over company ambitions. You're used to making it up as you go along. You're like me, an adventurer, an entrepreneur, a lateral thinker, a ducker, a diver, a podcaster. Maybe you're on the payroll, but you're bursting with ideas that your boss just doesn't understand. You're a communicator, a storyteller, a networker, And you've got an idea that will use the best of your talents to get the company message out to the world. You love listening to podcasts. You've got a voice and something to say. You're a podcaster in search of a podcast. Come on in. Or maybe you just want to change the world. I've met you all in the online forums and the meetups, my one-day podcasting courses for the National Council for the Training of Journalists, and my podcasting retreats at my home in East Sussex. The foodies who can't wait to get home to bake for Instagram. The self-employed consultants who want to share what they know in so much more than a blog. The communication teams who've been given carte blanche by their trusting boss to have a go at podcasting. The poets, artists, comedians, writers, musicians, activists who are fed up with the commissioning process. The curation by white men in suits. The time it takes to be greenlit. They all come my way with little more than a notebook, an app full of their favourite shows and questions they don't even know how to ask. Some want to hear how I learned to podcast and some want to know how I made it my day job. Some want to know how within six months my first The Delicious Podcast reached number one in the UK food charts, knocking BBC Radio 4's flagship food programme off the top spot on several occasions and how it came to be nominated for the coveted Fortnum & Mason Award in the radio or podcast category before it was even a year old. Most want to know if it makes money. Some want to know how to find a subject that no one else is podcasting about, how to get consistently great guests, travel the world, and have the kind of life that Instagram dreams are made of. Others are suitably sceptical and want the real story. How long does it take? How many downloads does it take to get to number one in the UK food charts? Is that even a thing compared to the US food charts? Who cares about the charts in this strange new podcasting world? Most ask about the money. So here's my story. I was teaching multimedia broadcast journalism at the University of Brighton in 2016 when I was approached by my would-be boss at Delicious Magazine to take over their brand new podcast. Although I'd been teaching podcasting as part of the course, I'd never actually made a podcast. I was interviewing him using a broadcast quality iPhone microphone, a Zoom IQ7 MS stereo microphone for iOS. And when he asked me if I could edit, I told him that I'd been editing in one form or another all my professional life. 
Like the pioneers in podcasting you'll meet in this book and on its accompanying podcast, How to Grow a Pod, I've worked in the media since I left university, learning how stories work, how to shape them, and how to edit them into something someone else would want to hear, read or watch. I began my career in radio, and like many of my interviewees here, I too think tape when I'm recording or editing, after years of physically cutting audio tape, captured on a reel-to-reel ewer and spliced with a razor blade. Such editing devices have long since been replaced by endless examples of computer software, but the imagery and legacy of reel-to-reel, razor blade and splicing tape live on. I was in.